up, everyone? I hope you are doing well, staying safe. Today is Tuesday, March 31st of the year 2020. And this is Raphael Garcia back with Shawan Hume for episode 158 of the MMA Ratings Podcast. Uh, again, like I said, you know, in times like today, I just hope that you're doing well. Hope that you're staying safe, staying healthy, and practicing good hygiene. Uh, with that in mind, Schwan, why don't you say hello to everybody? Let them let them know how you're doing. I'm doing good. The weird thing is, since all this has started happening, you just start you just start noticing how many people don't practice hygiene at all. Like I didn't know there's people I know who didn't take showers every day, who don't wash their hands regularly. <laughs> you know, they're like, I gotta start washing my hands. I'm like, start. You're 32, man. What do you mean you gotta start? <laughs> Dude, it's funny. So I work. I'm working from home now. And I was having, uh, you know, like the people talk about how it's different working from home as opposed to going into the office. And there's, you know, tips around it. And someone was like, you know, one tip is you should get up and make sure you take a shower in the morning and put on clothes. I'm like, people don't take a shower every morning? Like, no. help me understand how that works. Because that's the first, if, even if I'm late from work, I'm still taking a goddamn shower first before I get there and I just got to roll with it. So you know, like I take five steps, maybe five steps from my bed to my desk now. But before all of that happens, I'm still hopping in the shower first. Uh, a lot of people I found out like they treat it like you know, like their car's dirty. And they're like, oh, it rains, so my car's clean. And I'm like, no, <laughs> that that's not how that works. Just because you put some water in that on you doesn't mean you're clean. That that's not how that works. I it's just didn't. I just that works. I just didn't notice it. One of my friends actually told me the last thing. He was like, I go to the restrooms. And I went, before everything shut down, he's like, I go to restrooms, and I, I see men washing their hands, and I swear to God, a week ago, two weeks ago, three days ago, it was not like that. <laughs> so it's terrible. Oh, man. Oh, man. We got some things to talk about today. Um, we have USC 249 developments. We have Mr. John Jones to talk about and some other foolishness in the world of combat sports. So let's go ahead and jump right in. But before we do that, I want to say thank you for everyone that takes the time to listen to this content. Uh, as always, you can find myself on Instagram and Twitter at rgarcia underscore sports. You can find Schwan at Black Jordan Breen, where we're always talking about mixed martial arts, combat sports, and everything in between. MMA ratings. You can catch us at our flagship, MMARatings.net, where you can go there, read all of our content, rate the fights, let us know how um, interested you are in upcoming bouts and how excited you are for some of the past action. You can find us on um, all major podcasting platforms, Anchor, Spotify, Apple, um, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Anchor, if I did not say that first. And as always, you can come over to YouTube at MMA Ratings and check out our content there. We do this podcast on Tuesdays, and later on in the week, usually Thursday or Friday, I do a professional wrestling podcast as well, which is definitely getting some good listenership to start. So thank you all, as always, for your support, and please continue to do so. Um, now's a great time to listen to content, you know, while you're trying to figure out what's the next steps to do. So I appreciate everyone who takes the time to do that and keep us a part of your daily rotation. So for UFC 249, Sharon, we got some things to talk about, man. First and foremost, we got Khabib Nurmagomedov, who is trapped. And I don't want to say trapped. He's in Dagestan uh, because their borders are closed. He was here in the, in, the, in the United States for a little while. Things started shutting down. He went to Abu Dhabi, where they initially thought the fight was going to happen. But um, that place got shut down. So he got out of there before he could as well, too. And now he's back in Dagestan, but it looks like he's not going anywhere because all borders have been shield, sealed and shut. So he's he's basically out. 
of UFC 249 for every reason in the book. So now the UFC is looking to attempt to book Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje. Good old UFC president Dana White is adamant that this fight is going to happen. But before we jump into that, um, let's talk about this. Is this fight um, cursed? Uh, there are some that don't believe in sports curses or anything like that. I, I, you know, I'm a little bit sports superstitious myself. Sometimes I think it's funny. I think it's something to kind of interestingly joke about and laugh about and talk about. But is this fight cursed? Do you think we will ever see Tony Ferguson and Khabib Nurmagomedov in the same cage with their hands up, ready to fight? I mean, it seems like it's cursed. I mean, first it was health issues, then it's weight issues, then it's injuries. Now it's a global pandemic. I mean, if, if somebody was really into signs, you would say that somebody doesn't want this fight to happen. I mean, it's, this, this is as close as it's been to happening, and then a global pandemic breaks out. I don't want to say the two things are connected, but you have to wonder. And um, obviously I'm joking for the people who are just going to get very upset by that. Um, but it, it's being to seem like it's just not meant to be. And the sad thing about this is, Tony Ferguson continues to get the raw end of the stick because win or lose, it's not going to be a title fight. Win or lose, beating beating an undefeated Khabib Nurmagomedov is, is a feather in his cap that he could really carry his legacy and really spring him into the consciousness of, you know, not just the main the MMA, MMA media, but the mainstream media. And um, not being able to have this fight now is just, it's a big it's just a big risk for him and it's a big step back and it's a big financial hit and it's a big hit as far as his standing as a fighter in the UFC. I mean, I really feel bad for the guy because he's really done a lot of work and he's never, I don't feel he's really ever gotten his just due. And it's funny that you mentioned there's so many different reasons why this fight has not occurred. I was joking on, uh, Twitter. I believe it was that the next time this fight is booked, if it's ever booked again, that, what's going to happen is Galactus from like the Marvel universe is going to come and like consume the earth or something like that. It's, it's getting that out of hand, but this is, I mean, I get it. It's probably the most important fight that the UFC could make in this era of fights, but it's, it's, it just hasn't happened. And I don't think it will at, at this point in time. And Khabib, I can't remember how old Khabib is, but Tony Ferguson's 36 years old. And I don't, I, I can't remember who I was talking talking to it about on um, Twitter, but they were basically saying they wonder how long can he stay relevant at this point in time. Like if he continues getting in there with the best of the best, can he remain undefeated or can he remain on the on the streak that he's been on? Khabib has a little bit more time, a little bit more um, length under his uh, on, on his rope, and he hasn't been competing as long. But you have to wonder how much more Ferguson could take at this point in time in his career and whether or not that will impact whether uh, we see this fight or not. And on top of that, let me let me turn the um, conversation over to Tony Ferguson now because here it is, the UFC is trying to book him against Justin Gaethje, and I think that's just a horrible idea. Instead, I believe that the UFC should wait until they should postpone it. You know, give us five months, um, give uh, Khabib an opportunity to, you know, practice Ramadan and, and go through that process that he goes through every year, and attempt to book this fight in August, September, when they, when the when we have a little bit better understanding of what's going on in the country and around the world. Just make the call now instead of stringing us along and and stringing these fighters along and trying to put this fight on in a global pandemic. I mean, we're not talking about a power outage. 
We're not talking about a bad snowstorm or something like that. We're talking about a global pandemic where U.S. Um, U- US officials today actually went into a press conference that said they expect 100,000 people to die in, in this country. Like At that point in time, fighting is not important anymore. And I think the message by the UFC needs to be, hey, apologize first and foremost for trying to take such a hard line stance of getting this fight on and putting these people at, at risk. But at this point in time, it's just okay just to move forward. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of like, I understand to these guys, it's their hopes and their dreams. And I also understand the aspect of it. it's a financial thing. I mean, they don't really have any other income. I mean, most guys in the UFC fight, hopefully to get to the point where they don't have to have careers outside of the UFC. So I get their concerns. I get their fears. But um, it's just very, it's very upsetting how much effort is being put into trying to make these fights happen instead of, and I don't ever see half that effort put into making sure the fighters have better pay or uh, consistent health care outside of fighting. Like, there's other things you, you could put these energy towards that would benefit the fighters. And it seems like the UFC is once again only doing what's going to benefit them in the long term. Fighting Justin Gaethje doesn't help Tony Ferguson. It doesn't help him at all. Postponing the fight helps. But once again, uh, with, uh, as somebody pointed out on, on Twitter, Khabib, uh, I think he has Ramadan, if I understand, and he's, he can't fight for a period of time. So that, that creates even more instincts. Like, like this, this hurts the fighters. This hurts Tony Ferguson. But the UFC doesn't seem to have any concern for the fighters individually. It's like they said, they're individual contractors. Our main concern is ourselves. And um, they could, in my opinion, they could do other things to make this an easier time on the fighters or help the fighters get through whatever they're going through. And instead, they're just trying to push forward with an event that's going to help their bottom line and, and help if that reestablish or establish their brand as one of the premier sports in North America or the world. So what do you think about the UFC trying to book that fight with Justin Gaethje? Is there, is that just a bad idea and they should just forget about that entirely? Like, does he have the potential to blow that whole situation up if that fight was made against Ferguson? Like, can we see that actually occur? I think Justin's a very bad matchup for Tony. Tony tends to fight to his opponent's strengths, and luckily he hasn't faced a guy who's a good enough finisher to make him really pay for what, what the mistakes he's made. I mean, Donald Cerrone had moments. Anthony Pettis has moments. Pretty much everybody has moments against Tony. They do, just can't close the show. And if nothing else, Justin Gaethje is a world-class finisher. So this is a really bad matchup, especially in the first two rounds. It's a really, really bad matchup given how Tony likes to fight and the fact that Tony, if, if he still does this, doesn't really spar a lot. It takes you a second to get your timing, to find your spacing, to get into your flow. And against a guy like, with, like Gaethje, who just punishes you, from, punishes, punishes you from the word go, pressures you from the word go, and can finish you in a second, it's a real bad matchup. I mean, this is great for Gaethje. It's a good matchup for him. If he loses, he can always hit. He took a short fight notice, short notice fight. It helps him with the fans because it's like he's rescuing a card. He really has nothing to lose if... Tony loses this, once again, he's out of a title shot. He's pushed back. He's out of a title shot. He drops in rankings, and he's now he's firmly behind Gaethje. And if Gaethje has any – Gaethje might push for the title shot or he might wait for Connor because that's a money fight. And if, you lose, and if Gaethje beats him, Connor beats Gaethje, now he's behind, Ga- he's behind Connor and Gaethje. If Gaethje wins, 
in a certain sense, he's still behind Connor and Gaethje because Connor's the money fight and Gaethje would have just beaten him. It's like a high risk, low reward fight because if he beats Gaethje, he's in line for a title fight. What does that mean? He was already in line for a title fight. So, yeah, if you were advising um, Justin right now, uh, yeah, not Justin, excuse me, Ferguson right now, what would you tell him to, to, to do? Would you even look at this as a serious um, t- situation or would you tell him to av- absolutely opt out? Well, Tony's crazy, so I wouldn't try to tell him anything. He's going to do what he wants to do. I'd probably tell him just try to hold out on it. I mean, I don't know what doing favors for billionaires does for anybody. He takes fight for the UFC, he loses. They're going to say, hey, that's your job to fight. He doesn't take the fight. Maybe he'll be on their bad side. But what's being on their good side unless you're winning? Unless you're winning, being on their good side means absolutely nothing. So I would tell him to hold back on it. But, you know, Tony does what he wants, and he probably is tired of not fighting, and he probably wants to be able to cement his status as a contender, even though he doesn't need to cement it. He's, like, won, like, what, 12 fights in a row? So, um I, I just don't know. I, I tell him not to take the fight. I don't see the point in it. I don't see that it does anything for him that it that doesn't improve his position any more than it is right now. All right, no problem. So I want to also talk about the fighters who are hopping in to claim they're trying to save the event. I'm doing save in air quotes. You had Tyron Woolley, Kamaru Usman, Jorge Masvidal. You have Dustin Poirier talking about he wants to step in and save the fight. Um, I saw a piece today about Claudia, uh, Carla Esparza saying that, you know, she um, she praises Dana White for being determined to put this fight on. Why are fighters, even at this standpoint, why are they so tone deaf when it comes to this this event being held in the times that we're facing today? Um, they need money. They need money. They're trying to curry favor with the UFC. They're trying to curry favor with the fans, and they want to get paid. That's all this to it. Because, I mean, after this, you don't know when the next event's going to be. You don't know when the next payday is going to be. So don't you want to maximize the maximize what you can? Maybe they can get some outside sponsors. Maybe they have some outside sponsors who will support them. Maybe they'll use the chance as being the only show on – show in town to kind of expand their brand and, and maybe hopefully get some momentum on their side, maybe hoping the UFC will do them some favors later on. It's really simple. I mean, if it's like um, in, other, in the other sports, when, like there's, in the other sports, there's certain people who have who already received the majority of their money. While as competitors, they want the season to go on. Financially, they're okay if it doesn't. There's other people who haven't gotten half of their money. They need that season to go on. Because if the season doesn't go on, it's a huge financial hit to them. Most people in the UFC don't make McGregor money. They don't even make a B money. They're not coming off a, a big payday with Connor and a fairly big payday with Dustin Poirier. They're coming off some medium to small size paydays, and they need another one to hold them over. It's really just supply and demand, and they're trying to fill a demand and curry favor so that hopefully maybe in the next time they have a contract, they can cover it or just for their own bills. Like I said, if they cancel every event after UFC 249 for the next two months, that's two months you know you're not going to have any money. So if you're somebody with a name and some kind of cachet, you're trying to fit yourself in there so that you can get a payday that you, you, you're not going to get otherwise. Yeah, I think that that's definitely an um, intriguing way to look at it. And when we're talking about paydays, I want to ask one other question in reference to this. 
Uh, I, there's been a lot of talk about Endeavor and how they've been in a financial strain since taking on the UFC. And we also know that Professional Bull Riders, which is another Endeavor-owned sport, and I do sport in air quotes because that's, you know, bull riding is bull riding, but whatever. But they are also still trying to run and operate even in the space that we're in today. So is this situation with the UFC more indicative of Endeavor being in financial straits and, and struggling at this point in time? Or is this more about um, Dana White and, and his ego, for lack of a better term? I think it's both. I think Dana wants to prove that he's the best promoter, he's the best commissioner, and he has the best sport. And the best way to do that is by showing we can consistently perform, put on our world-class product, even in the worst kind of circumstances. He's hoping to curry favor with the fans and the marketers and the sponsorship. Secondly, they did spend a lot of money, and financially they have to make that money up. And being on a uh, – they don't have what some of the, the, the deals that M MLB and NBA and NFL have. They have to – hit certain marks to get their money back. So they've got to do everything they can, whether by hook or by crook, to put a product up there so that even if they don't make as much as they as they would normally make, and they won't necessarily won't be in the black, they, they won't be as badly in the red. All right, sir, I definitely agree with you on that. I think this is an interesting time, and we need to pay close attention to what's going on, not only with the UFC as they try to push forward for this fight, but with Endeavor as a whole, because I think it's it's very indicative of um, that whole situation. Last question I want to talk about about this is, let's say they do go to another country, figure out a way to get this card on. Can they still charge pay-per-view rates for this? Because it was a pay-per-view because of the main event. Um, Khabib versus Tony Ferguson. $60, that, that is a fight that is worth a $60 pay-per-view rate. If they give us anything else, is that worth the same price? I mean, it's a pay-per-view because they say it's a pay-per-view, <laughs> not because of the matchups. We've had lots of fight cards where it wasn't pay-per-view worthy and it was called a pay-per-view. It's not going to be worth it, but they're still going to charge it. They'll do, they'll do the favors of putting on an event. They're not doing any favors about charging us less. That's not going to happen. Yeah, I definitely agree. I don't think they're going to charge us any less at all. It's a, it's a perplexing situation that I don't think they're going about the right way. I think this, we shouldn't even be having this conversation. I think that this event should have been canceled weeks ago. But um, we saw, we see that uh, major boxing organizations are canceling all their events through May. We see that, um, you know, professional wrestling is struggling to try to hold the events that, that, that they can hold. Right now, NBA is shut down. Major League Baseball is shut down. Football is shut down. I, I mean, you know, spring training was supposed to, spring games or baseball, opening day was supposed to be last week. So that's not going on. So there's so many different situations that major sports have, have been impacted. And you still see the UFC and MMA as a whole trying to push on. I think that's more indicative of the sport itself and just kind of leadership or lack thereof within the industry. Yep. Yep. It, it's, it's crazy. But when you run, with, run the way the UFCs run, you don't play by the rules that everybody else plays by. And this is pro probably one of the few cases where I could say the boxing actually looks better than the UFC and how they're handling these things. Yeah, we're actually going to be talking about um, the, what's the word, the synergies between boxing and the UFC in a second when we talk about UFC boxing, but that we'll get to that point in a moment.
So now let's segue into topic number two. And this topic is about the one and only um, Jonathan Jones. Oh, I don't know if Jonathan's his first name. John Jones. And as you are aware of, he was arrested uh, last week for um, DUI, driving while un intoxicated, and I think aggravated um, assault, maybe? Aggravated something for uh, carrying a loaded weapon. I can't remember off the top of my head. I apologies. My apology for that. I should have finished looking that up. But either way, we are aware of him being arrested. He pled guilty today. And um, I think that put that the initial recommended recommended sentence was uh, probation for a year, which will potentially keep him out, out of jail. So there's a lot of conversation about that. First and foremost, let's talk about Jones in the situation itself. When you saw the headline and you read about this matter, Sean, what did you respond? How did you respond in reference to seeing John Jones being in trouble with the law again? Um, I, I, I want to say I was shocked, but I was like, it seems like when he has a lot of downtime is when things seem to go badly for him. And this is going to be a period of, a period where he was going to have a lot of downtime and things seem to go really badly for him. I was kind of sad. I mean, I don't know John Jones. I'm not friends with John Jones. I mean, I know people who know him. But the thing about it is, regardless of what I may think about him or his behavior, the fact of the matter is, he has a kid who's impacted by this. He has a mother. He has a father. Excuse me, his mother's dad. His mother died. Rest in peace. I apologize for that. He has brothers. He has a dad. He has children. He has, I think he still has a fiance. He has a lot of people who are emotionally invested in him and dependent on him. And for him to mess up again, not just hurts him financially, but hurts him emotionally and and in the case of the kids, might might skew their view of how people are supposed to be or how people are supposed to act in the circumstances that they're in as far as being in a relationship, being in a home, being having children. I mean, this this does a lot of harm on a lot of different levels, not to mention the, the other fighters or trainers or coaches who are also dependent upon him. So I, I felt kind of bad, but I wasn't surprised, and I... I, was I wasn't even disappointed. I, I don't think he's ever been, ever been forced to really deal with consequences with his actions. So I, I, I can't really blame him for not ever really learning because people are constantly protecting him, enabling him, and, and, and finding ways to navigate punishment. So he's never had to really deal with the consequences of who and how he is. And when you don't have to deal with consequences, you never really change your behavior. So you said something key there. You said when you have to face consequences, you change your behavior. Do you think John Jones is going to face consequences this time around? Even if he gets probation for a year, what does consequences look like um, when it comes to him? Is it jail time? Is it the UFC stripping him again? Is it them firing him and just cutting him and cutting ties in, to in totality? What does consequences look like for John Jones at this point in time? Uh, it can't be being put on suspension. I mean, that, that doesn't do anything. I guess it does something just because the, the financial aspect of it, he won't have income. So I guess there's that. I would think maybe jail time. I wouldn't want jail time for him necessarily because jail time, it's just a rough thing to go with. But jail time probably would be the biggest thing that would maybe snap him out of it because it'd be the thing where he can't do any earning. He can't make any appearances and he will be legally, legally impacted moving forward. I mean, all the, all the fines and all the suspensions only do so much actually having to do jail time, actually having to really face the consequence and being taken out of action and being taken out of the mix. Um, it has an, it, there's an emotional, spiritual, mental toll it has on you, as well as financial. 
you know, I mean, it impacted Floyd Mayweather, so it definitely would impact John Jones. Yeah, I think that there has to be some some type of consequences for him at this point in time. I don't think the UFC is going to strip him. I don't even think they're going to address it. Um, they released a couple of line statements and they looked it at that. I don't even think that they're really going to address it at this point in time. Um, I think they're just going to let it kind of slide under the radar and go about their way talking about UFC 249. Let's talk about the response that the situation received where, you know, a lot of people didn't take, didn't hesitate to pile on to John Jones and talk about how um, he's basically a piece of shit and uh, that, you know, this doesn't surprise him, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I think that the, the response to this that stood out to me was Daniel Cormier, who continues to, I mean, this isn't the first time he's had an interesting response in reference to John Jones while reminding us that he hates him uh, seriously. But the thing that stood out to me was that he said that it pains him to see black athletes in this position um, that John Jones is in where they're in trouble and they're giving people ammunition to basically chip away at them. What are your thoughts about that, especially in the mixed martial arts community where there aren't a lot of high profile um, African-American or, or African or basically people of color, there aren't a lot of high profile people within that space with the loudest voices, especially um, when you look at the target audience as well. Um, well, first of all, Daniel Cormier is as petty as he can be and he can be petty and is, and is yeah, petty. I mean, that, that's, he can be real petty sometimes. If, if you listen to his interviews, he's funny, he's charming, he's, he's capable, but he can be very petty. He can be very small minded towards certain people when he doesn't like them. It's just who he is. But he's an adult. He's an adult with a wife. He's an adult with kids. He's an adult who's had some tragedy in his life. He's an adult who engages in helping kids on a regular basis. So he's seen, regardless of what he thinks of John Jones, as far as his personality and their personal interaction, he understands that John Jones, even if he doesn't want to be, has impacted somebody positively. Somebody's seen what John Jones could do, and it's motivated them to do a sport, do wrestling, maybe hope to be a fighter at some point or another. What, regardless of what we think of John Jones, we're seeing it, it through. We're see, seeing him through a different lens that a kid coming up might see him then. And Daniel Cormier understands that when things like this happen to John Jones, it doesn't just set John Jones back; it sets other people back in his group. It sets other people back who believe in him. It sets other people back who are using him as a model to write their own recipe or resume or recipe or instructions for success. It's not just John Jones fucked up, John Jones family's impacted. It's John Jones fucked up. And as you know it is with, with our group, everybody kinda when it's like when a white person messes up, not all white people pay a price for it. When a black person messes up, most black people will feel some kind of repercussion as a result. It's just how people treat it. And I think he's aware of that and I think that's why he didn't pile on. I don't think he wanted to seem like he was on John Jones' side, but I don't think I don't think he felt it necessary to pile on or attack him because he understands there's there's a lot of that that's going to be going on, and and it won't just be attributed to John Jones. There's a certain segment of MMA fans who are going to attribute it to who John Jones is and what culture he comes from. Did you see the dash cam footage um, that, not the dash cam footage, excuse me, the body camera footage from the arresting officer? Have you had an opportunity to look at that and did that change your response to Jones in, in, in any way? 
Um, I didn't watch it. I, I try not to watch these kind of things. Not not because I don't believe it. Not because I'm I'm trying to be uninformed. I'm just kind of like I I don't know. I, I just try not to. I kind of just take it as what what I've been told. I, I'll talk to other people who've seen it. Sometimes it gets really hard for me to see stuff like that. Not because it's going to change my view of him. Because almost nothing could change my view of him. I don't care if he had a nervous breakdown. I don't care if he cried. If he got violent. They're literally outside of him taking the officer's gun and shooting him dead. There's nothing John Jones is going to do in there that's going to that's going to change my opinion of him. Because the, just the stuff you've heard and the stuff I've heard from people who know him, it's it's just very disturbing sometimes. So maybe it's different. Maybe because I've heard some some crazy stuff about him from people who've been involved with him. It cha- I just don't need to see any evidence of that. I don't need to see any proof of that. I don't. I, I just don't. I just don't. I just don't. I guess. I mean, I know some people say they saw it and think he needs help. But if that's the case, but we've known John Jones need help. We know John Jones has issues, but everybody keeps enabling him because he can fight. Just like they, people enable people who can catch a ball or dunk a ball or throw a ball. So even if he has a mental issue, even if it's beyond his just bad character and lack of morals, the fact of the matter is everybody knows it, everybody's seen it, and nobody's done anything about it. So at this point, at some point, regardless of what the cause is, there has to be a price that has to be paid. You've already been forgiven. You've already been given passes. You've already been blessed with talent that's given you opportunities that none of us are getting, and you're still finding ways to mess up. Last question we're going to talk about with this before moving on to another um, another uh, excuse me topic. Do you th- how, what should the UFC do with them? Should they do any? Should they just ignore this situation? Should they um, figure out how to maybe give him some help? Get him some help? Like what should the UFC do do about John Jones at this point in time? Um. I have no idea, man. It's getting to the point. I mean, given the UFC's habit, they're they're probably not going to do anything. Somebody in his circle. But then again, it's like, how do you make someone get help if they don't want it? That's the thing about it. I feel that somebody should have taken time to get help. It's not the UFC's job to get him help, to be quite honest. I mean, he's he's an investment to it a certain degree, but it's not their job. Their job is to get him fights and to make get make him the most money and use their platform to make him a star. It's not their job to get him help. It's his job. That's his white, his fiance's job. That's his family's job. That, that, that's whose job it is. It's, it's not the UFC's job to do anything except either suspend him, cut him, or get him get him fights and get him paid. You know, everybody keeps pointing to the UFC, but that's not their job. It's really not. Just like it's not the, job, the UFC's job to make you a star. It's not the UFC's job to make sure you're good. It's the UFC's job to get you fight, get you the biggest, best fights on the biggest and best platforms. That's what their job is. Everything else is on to you and your team. And and John Jones, uh, I, he, he either suspend him, cut him, or just act like it didn't happen. That's really their only three options. Any anything else, it's going above and beyond. It is not their job to do. Good thoughts there, sir. Um, I disagree with some of them. I do think that the UFC should figure out a way to help him in this matter, but. Maybe they um, shouldn't be. They they shouldn't be. I, th- I think there is opportunity for them to to perhaps help him in um, this matter. I I definitely do feel I, I get that, that way. I really get that point. I'm a help. I'm a helpful person. Like I've had people live with me. I I once kept somebody's because they're going to drug rehab. I kept somebody's kids for two and a half years when I was in freaking college of all things. So I get that. But my whole thing is 
it's not really their responsibility. Like, it's really not. Same thing with all these companies when people are like, oh, well, this company didn't do this, this company. Yeah, they should. In the perfect world, they should. But it's really not their responsibility. You're, you're in charge of yourself. And, and there's people in John Jones' circle. There's Greg Jackson. There's Mike Winklejohn. There's his fiance. There's his mom. There's, there was his mom. There's his dad. There's his brothers. There's all these other people who are actually invested in him, whether he was a fighter or not, would be invested in his well-being. Why aren't they doing anything? What can the real, the UFC can't make him do anything. They can tell him to go get help and get and get counseling. But if he's not really invested in it, what the hell's the point? You know, I, I just don't know that they've made him a millionaire. They've made him a celebrity. They've made him known across the world. Now they're now they're in charge of making sure you're sane and you're acting out, outside. I mean, he's not doing this stuff in the cage. He's not doing this stuff at pre and post fights. He's doing this stuff on his own personal time. Okay, let's move on to the last topic. So the last topic I want to talk about are some listener questions here. And we got some interesting questions from first one. You Do you know about this Billy Joe Saunders um, situation? Yes. yes. <laughs> so for those who do not know, Billy Joe Saunders is a, is a boxer. Uh, I'm not sure what weight class he fights in. Shawan can give us some information about that. But he was set up, he was in a position to get the biggest payday of his career, probably one of the biggest ones in recent memory, because he had he was basically in position to fight um, uh, Canelo. This fool goes on social media and puts together a video instructing men on how to beat up their beat up women, either your significant other, your wife, your sister, whoever you want to apply it to. And the outrage was swift, and it was. Correct, because now he um, he was basically pushed. He lost his license, and he is no longer going to be able to take that that fight, that massive fight where he was going to make a shit ton of money. So, Schwan, let's talk about this. How um, how messed up is the situation, and how much of an idiot? is this guy for uh, putting himself in this uh, situation? Well, I mean, I'm not saying you should make this joke anyways. I want everybody to understand this. I'm not saying you should make this joke. You shouldn't. But I'm just going to be real with people. People make misogynistic jokes. They make sexist jokes. They make misandrous jokes. They make racial jokes, either between people of you know different races or people of the same race. They say things that they would never say in public and never put online because they understand they have there's a there's a, they have enough comprehension they have enough intellect to understand that while this might be okay in this form between me and you between me and her between me and them i can never go outside of this form or this situation and repeat what i'm saying or do what i'm doing and think it's going to carry over any sort of carry over any sort of positive way that's the mistake he made he took something that was a joke that maybe his friends would understand or a certain segment of people would understand and a certain segment of people do understand because there's a lot of men defending him. There's a lot of men defending him. So there's a certain segment who do understand. But first, you shouldn't think like that. And second of all, you shouldn't say that out loud. You shouldn't say that in public. That's that's the main, that's the big issue. The fact that he thinks that the way at all, but, it, and to be fair, I'm not co-signing this, but I have, I have female friends who talk about busting their husbands upside the head if they don't, with a baseball bat, if they don't do their honey-do list. I have friends who, him and my friend and his wife, they, they both train martial arts. 
he's always talking about he's going to knock her out or choke her out. And they regularly make that joke. The kids make the joke around the house. Oh, remember last time you sparred, mom, dad jacked you up. I don't, it's just how they work. I'm not saying it's cool. Just how they work in a vacuum between them, it's cool. They would never have these conversations in front of people other than myself because I know them for years. I understand the context of their relationship. So we can have that, we can make that joke, we can have that conversation, and it's hilarious. But they would never say that in public because they understand context and they're adults. And somebody forgot to somebody forgot to um, point this out to, to Saunders. And to be honest, he's he's kind of a classless guy. He's kind of a tactless guy. And um, I used to think he was at least smart. I thought he was playing an angle. I thought he was playing a game. And it's clear he's not. He's just out of touch. And he's borderline delusional. And this is probably the biggest mistake outside of actually phys- – I mean, the only person who's done something stupider is Javante Davis choking up his baby mama in public at all, but especially in public. I hate to say it, but if we just heard rumors and thoughts, we could we could say, well, you don't, you weren't there. You didn't see what happened. There's video of him choking her up. This is pretty much the worst thing that could have happened outside of Billy Joe Saunders actually physically harming a woman. The fact that he's joking about it so casually is pretty much it's pretty much the worst thing you could do, given how much domestic abuse has gone up since the lockdown. Given about how much domestic abuse is an issue in America, this is pretty much the worst thing in the world he could have done for himself, for his brand, for his for his for his his pocketbook, whatever his wallet. And I just can't imagine that he lacked the awareness to not say that on a public forum. I'm not saying you should say it at all, but I'm going to be honest and I'm going to be frank with everybody on here. Everybody who listens to the show, everybody in the world makes jokes, says comments that if they were in any other forum or in a public forum would make them make make them look very bad. It's just a fact. It's just a fact. But when you're around your friends, you're around people who know you and known you for years, who really know what you're about, they can vouch for you. They understand there's a context to it. But in Billy Joe Saunders' situation, he, he took a very serious topic. He approached it in a very comical, tasteless way. And then he presented it to the world to a bunch of people who already don't like him over a topic that a lot of people that are that generates a lot of ire and frustration and anger when you bring it up. It's like, I, I just can't imagine that he he lacked the awareness to just say, you know what, I'm just going to keep this joke with me and my friends. Because I'm sure he said it with his friends, and it was all very funny. But we say a lot of things with our friends that are funny that we would never repeat on a public forum. See, it's funny that, that you said that, um, because I have a basically a saying. You have the jokes that you can make in the group chat. You know, you can make these jokes. You and I can joke about anything and everything in the group chat, as long as it stays in the group chat. Then there are jokes you can make on social media, where it's all fun and games. You can post gifts, you can post videos, et cetera, et cetera. The jokes that you make in the group chat, you can't make those on social media. You can't make them out in, in the public forum because people are going to look at you like you're out of your mind. That's exactly what happened here. And he um, played right into, like, he put himself in the worst position because now he um, is, he's out of everything he ever had. And what's unfortunate is that I don't know if he learned from the matter. Like, that's the worst part. Because you see people get put in these, in, in these situations, you see people look foolish, and you wonder if they learn from the matter. And I don't know if he has. 
No, I don't. I don't think he has. And like I said, there's going to be a certain segment of people who are just going to encourage us. Once again, I have to keep saying this because people tend to take things and run with them. I'm not saying it's okay to make this joke. What I'm saying is, as you said, everybody says and does things that would be inappropriate with friends, people you're comfortable with, that you would never joke about live. There's people who joke about punching their kids. They don't want to punch their kids. It's just a joke. There's people who joke about cheating on their husbands. It's just a joke. There's a friend, oh, girl, if this guy came by, you know I cheat on my husband in a minute. They don't mean it. It's just a joke. But they would never say that in public forum. They wouldn't go to their job and say that. They wouldn't go to a family reunion and say that. They wouldn't come on Twitter and say that. And that's where he messed up. True, the thought is negative in and of itself. But I, I'm gonna, I'll just be frank. There's been numerous comedians, men, women, who have made jokes about domestic abuse. It, I'm sorry. You can go through a bunch of comedians who made jokes about if, oh, my wife was gonna, I was gonna whoop my man's ass. Oh, my wife did this and she was gonna this. It happens all the time. I'm not saying it's cool, but it's a context given. And the context in which she presented this was not a joke. It was an instructional on how to assault your, your girlfriend or the woman in your life who's annoying you. It's like an instructional. This wasn't some kind of off-color joke. It was literally an instructional of what to do from a professional fighter to shut your significant other up. That's what he. That's where he messes up. This wasn't a a joke. That's like um, if you and your your wife would always joke about hall. If you had a wife and you're joking about like, oh, who's your hall pass? You can sleep with Rihanna, whatever. And then instead of it, you go on a public forum and you make a, I don't know, a ten tweet list on how to get away with cheating on your wife. She's not going to be cool with that. Nobody's going to be cool with that. That this different context. That's what he misses out. He made an instructional on how to assault your wife or girlfriend. I don't know why he thought that was going to work. That that's 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 a difference. I'm not even saying you can even joke about that, but I do know people joke about it, men and women. I know people joke about a lot of things, but you can't you can't do this. You can't you can't do this, and then you can't try to defend it. And the worst part is, how do you even explain it? How do you even explain it? There are certain jokes you can't you can't even explain to people. It's like it's like a, if you have, there's friends, I have friends who are multiple, who are different races, and they make very pointed comments about each other's racial background because they're friends and they know each other. But if that stuff was to ever get out to public, there'd be no way they could justify making the jokes they made. And that's kind of what he did to himself. And there's, I don't know, I don't know how he gets back on this. I really don't. How do you backtrack this? How do you, how do you move back? How do you, how do you explain this? You can't say I was caught up in the moment. You had to set up a camera and walk. You walk people through this. You weren't angry. Emotions weren't high. Nobody is. There's, there's, there's. You're not a comedian. Why are you doing this? You're a fighter. Do what you're supposed to do and fight. If anything, maybe, maybe this, this will stop fighters and people who, who don't, who don't, who aren't professional comedians. It'll stop them from getting into this zone where they feel they can be funny and they need to show their personality. Maybe some of all, some of y'all just need to shut the fuck up and do, do, do your job. You're not a comedian. You're a politician. Do your job. You're not a comedian. You're a fighter. Go fight. If I want funny, I'll go. I'll, I'll go hit up Dave Chappelle. Maybe I'll even check out Jerry Seinfeld. I'm not going to Billy Joe Saunders for my comedy. I don't want need him doing comedy sketches. It's not his job. It's not. It's not his area of expertise. And in trying to have a brand and get likes and retweets, he's a, he might have essentially ended his own career. I mean, he. It seems that way. It really seems that he has ended his um, his career seriously. So, 
I have the next question I have for you, listener question I have, is in reference to all, um, it's in reference to Zoo for Boxing. So I'm not sure if you saw Dana Wright's comments on, I think it was yesterday, today's Monday, it was either yesterday or Friday. And he was talking about Zoo for Boxing and how it may not get launched and how boxing is more broken than even he thought it was. It's beyond fixing. And I wanted to talk about this because boxing is, you know, it's pretty much considered the, the world's oldest sport right up there with running. And it's a sport that while it's not quote unquote mainstream any longer, it definitely, it definitely is a revenue generator when it gets to the big and like the major, the major moments in the industry. Is boxing really that broken? And what would you recommend on how to fix it? Boxing is no more broken than any other combat sport. It's just not. It, it's not any any sport where you don't have you don't have insurance. You don't have a, maybe a set sport set form of pay. There's not some kind of streamlined structure involved in it. It's broken. MMA is broken. They don't go by regular rules. You don't have to beat seven, five, and four to get a title shot. You just have to beat a big enough name at the right moment. You just have to be popular enough at the right moment. There's no structure to it. So MMA is no more fixed than boxing. The reason he thinks boxing is broken is because he's used to having a certain amount of iron fist control over it. He talks to fighters the way he wants. And since he doesn't do any joint promotions, nobody can go around him. Nobody can get over him. Nobody can, can go to a higher up. They've got to deal with Dana. Dana doesn't like you. You're screwed. Dana likes you. The world's your oyster. That's why he thinks boxing is broken. Because boxing is so fragmented that nobody has all the power players. Even if you have the biggest guy in the sport, people can still put events on. People can still get guys titles. People can still build guys' brands. In the UFC, if Dana's essentially against you, it's really hard to get any traction to build a brand, to make top money, or to get the, to get the title shots or the ranked opponents that you want to get. It's all basically determined on how he feels and what he thinks. I mean, no offense. Um, when you talk to boxing promoters, they'll say, well, we would like to get a title fight in the next two to, th two to three fights. Dana outright telling people, no, they're not going to get a title fight. No, they're never going to fight in the UFC again. No, they're done. No, they're taking... I mean, he's telling you what's going to happen. I don't know any other commissioner or any other person in his position in another sport who can dictate those kind of terms. Nobody's going to be like, man, the Cowboys get us the highest ratings. I think we're going to put the Cowboys against the, the, the Patriots in the Super Bowl. They would love that. You understand the ratings they would have? Or we're just going to switch... We're going to switch organizations. We're going to have the Patriots play the Cowboys in the first round of the playoffs. You know how much they would love that? You know the ratings they would get for that? But they can't do that. Dana has free free control over what happens, when it happens, and who's involved into it. I mean, think about it. We have a national pandemic, and he's still trying to make fights happen. So him saying that boxing is broken, all that means to me is that he can't exert the control or dictate the terms as well as he would like to with boxers. I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not saying the sport isn't broken, but his idea of broken has a lot more to do with the lack of control and the lack of... Um, influence he has over more so than the actual sport itself because you look at the sport itself MMA is not too not too far off from that so do you think that there's something to do beyond what um, Dana White is talking about that can fix this fix the sport like is there or is it just at a point where it's just it just can't be fixed there's something to do I don't think Dana cares enough to do it I don't think he has enough money to do it. 
I don't think he has enough influence to do it. I mean, if they could get treated like regular jobs where they had regular fixed incomes and and covered with insurance and insurance for their kids and stuff like that, that would be a great way to fix it because then it'd be treated like an actual sport, same way NBA is, same way NFL is. Even though they don't have guaranteed contracts, there's certain guarantees and certain things placed where they can get certain things regardless of the level you are. You could be a guy on a practice squad. You're still making a certain kind of money. You still have certain benefits. You still have certain rewards. You still have certain things you have to reach to. In MMA and boxing, the only thing, the only time you're guaranteed something is if you have the leverage to be guaranteed or you're, lever- you're guaranteed to get fights, but not in succession, not in a timely manner, not in an ascending matter. You're just guaranteed to get three fights if you don't get cut. So it's a little bit different. The things it would take to fix these things are impossible in Boston because, once again, there's so much power and it's so fractured. You have to get everybody to come to a, a conclusion. That's not going to happen. And even if it could happen, Dana White ain't the one to make it happen. He don't care enough. I think he's getting into boxing to kind of help his own kid out. I don't know that he's getting into boxing because he's trying to save the sport. Okay. All right. So the last question here I'm going to ask is in reference to the um, women's featherweight division. There's questions around. There was a tweet that went out, um, I think it was yesterday, in reference on who is the top contender for uh, Amanda Nunez. So at this point in time, you know, we're talking about 145 only. Who should face Amanda Nunez next? Um, if you had to pick someone, if you had, to, if you were capable of booking the fight tomorrow, who would you go with um, in selecting who uh, Amanda would face next to defend that belt? Uh, I'd probably just go with, uh, I forgot her name. Not Megan Anderson. She's awful. Um, Spencer? Is that her name? I can't remember the girl who fought Cyborg. Yeah, Felicia Spencer. Yeah, Spencer. She's fought the better competition. She's performed better against the better competition. And in my estimation, she's shown the better range of skills that would, would give me a reason to believe that she could compete with Nunez or at least make it compete competitive in spots. I don't, I don't think Megan Anderson has shown that. Megan Anderson has a look. She has a style. She, it's, a favor, it's, a, it's a more exciting matchup because she's so flawed and so limited. But I think Spence, Spencer has shown the all-around skills, offensive and defensive, striking and grappling, as well as the physical durability and the mentality to get out of tough spots. So I, I don't know that there's a better match, there's a better fight for Nunez at featherweight outside of either fighting Cyborg again or fighting Julia Budd. Those are the only other girls who have a, a depth of skill and enough experience, I think, to to give her any sort of challenge or make or or have any question as far as who would win that fight. Which title do you think she defends next? One forty five or one thirty five? Um, I would probably say 145. She defended 35 against Durandamy. They don't have a clear cut. No, home. She beat home. They don't have another clear cut um, contender at that weight class yet. Um, Aspen Ladd probably would have got the fight if she beat GDR, but she didn't. And she was dominant enough against Durandamy where you can't have a rematch based off that. She knocked out home, so you can't have a rematch, rematch based, on, based on that. And none of the girls who were in the division have. I don't know that they have two or three wins put together. You know, it, it's pretty clear that at Bantamweight, you know, she's light years ahead of these girls. At Featherweight, she's probably light years ahead of these girls too, but they don't have anybody who's in any position to challenge her at Bantamweight 
maybe Irina Aldana, but I still think she needs another win before she could actually be justified in, in uh, challenging Nunes for the title. All right, all right, sir. I appreciate that breakdown there. Um, while we are at it, let everyone know what you're working on for this week. I'm still working on my Daredevil piece, um, just breaking down the fight scene, kind of, you know, like I said, go, it's like the same way you break down a, a film of a fighter and you break down their tendencies and the weapons they're using, the stance and the benefits and pluses and minus of it. That's what essentially I'm doing with the character Daredevil from the live action TV show. And then um, I've been just kind of cobbling together some pieces on issues I see in camps and using and finding fighters who I, I can use examples of the things that camps do wrong that hinder a fighter's development. Good stuff there, sir. As always, you know, we're, I'm working on MMA and professional wrestling coverage, so that's where you'll find me. We'll be keeping this podcast coming week in and week out. Uh, eventually, we may be doing some stuff about past fights to watch, so keep an eye out on that, and Shawana, I'll keep you informed uh, on that piece as well. And as always, um, thank you for taking the time to listen to our content. Please be sure to like and subscribe on our YouTube channel and also on Spotify, Apple iTunes, um, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and everywhere else you can catch our content. Go to um, MMARatings.net and rate the fights. Let us know uh, what you think of the upcoming contests that are scheduled when they do start to get scheduled again so as always thank you for taking the time to listen to our work and we will do the best we can to be back here next week for more mma and combat sports uh coverage so Schwan, thank you again for taking the time to hop in with me and we'll be back next week all right yo good evening stay safe sir you too